it's a lack of vision and the way things could be. Okay. And I know two of Corey's founders, right. And they had the vision and we can't have the vision, but it's somebody that really takes the ball and runs with it. And we've told the politicians all along, man, you take credit for this. You know, we don't care. We just want to see something happen. Black Agenda Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Guest, here to bring you another great one-on-one conversation, where it's actually going to be one-on-two, one host, two guests. Today's conversation is really about the workforce. We're getting out of the pandemic, but a lot of people have lost jobs and aren't coming back. So I wanted to highlight two organizations that's working in my state to fix this issue. And maybe there are some organizations in surrounding states and other states that are doing the same thing. So listeners on the show today, we have Mitchell Campbell from the Marks Project in Quitman County and Corey Mice from Base Camp Coding Academy in Water Valley, both from Mississippi. Just to give you a little background of our guests, Mitch, he is a retired corporate investment banker, former school teacher and bus driver, and the co-founder of the Marks Project. He's also the current president of the Marks Project board. Corey is currently the executive director of Base Camp Coding Academy. She joined BCCA after four years in the U.S. Army Corps of Engineering, Engineer Research and Development Center in Vicksburg. So thank you both for being on the show today. No problem. Great to be here. Likewise. All right. Now, just to kind of start off, um, I wanted to do segment one kind of to talk about the the issue of employment. You know, I kind of theme it as addressing the problem and to kind of set the stage for what we're talking about here. So, uh, Mitch, I'll start off for you. First question here. You know, a lot of folks think that, you know, just going to college or starting a business is the key to success in America. And those are really great options. But for a lot of residents in rural areas or less populated areas, there can be some challenges that come with that territory. So for our listeners, just to kind of get a better understanding of where we are, would you just kind of explain some of the difficulties that you have to overcome to get people trained and employed when you have you know fewer employment opportunities and maybe a less skilled workforce? All right, thanks. Be glad to. Uh, Equipment County, uh, we don't have a single manufacturing job. So let that just set in uh, for a second. Uh, when agriculture uh, was uh, was uh, modernized to the extent where they just need a handful of people to get out and work the fields. Uh, there was some light manufacturing, some sewing operations, some uh, piece good uh, uh, work that's been transitioned down to Mexico or to Southeast Asia. So, you know, this community, which is kind of, uh, you know, 50 miles from anywhere of any consequence, there, there are no opportunities. And one of the challenges that we faced was, you know, trying to recruit businesses to come to Quitman County. And before we could do that, we didn't have a real good assessment of what our potential workforce was. So that's kind of how we got started based on needs from the community is stepping back, you know, trying to do an assessment with uh, uh, potential employers to understand what our workforce would be. And we shifted that to where, you know, there are plenty of jobs out there, but they're going to be 30, 40, 50 miles away. So then we had to go back to you know, how could we train for those jobs and then how, import, equally importantly, how can we get them to the jobs back? So this was homegrown. We did it because we've got probably a 50% unemployment uh, uh, number in the in the, the, that 18 to 35-year-old range, and it's just tragic. 
you're right. I think that that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of places. You know, I, I think here I live in Los Angeles, and I see a lot of unemployment. And it's kind of like you were talking about things are homegrown, built to kind of meet the moments. And Corey, I guess you could kind of do a follow up to that first question there, and probably talk about some of the difficulties you all have and how you've kind of risen to kind of meet the moment. Yeah. So it's an interesting um, problem, especially in rural areas. Because the lack of industry leads to a lack of awareness, right, of what jobs are available. So, you know, one of the biggest things we have to fight at my particular organization and in my field in general is the fact that people in Mississippi don't realize that computer science and programming and software development are jobs that they can legitimately do because they don't see them around them. Um, so it's awareness of that this is a job opportunity that you can literally do from anywhere. Um, as long as you have internet and a reliable computer, right, you can do this job. Uh, and, and people just don't see it in our state. So there's a lack of awareness around that. And then obviously also a lack of accessible training. That is another problem we try to address at base camp, which is, you know, how can people who don't have a job, don't have an income, right, afford to get trained into a position that actually will get them a job? Um, so programs like what you guys are doing in Quitman County and like Basecamp and others like it that offer that option for free, right? Gives people that opportunity to give themselves a new career and a new option. Um, I think it's a little easier in, in bigger cities, right? Where there's constantly someone who at least needs like a waitress um, or something that they can generate an income for themselves and then have enough money to, to get retrained into something else. Whereas in these smaller areas where there's literally almost no jobs sometimes because of how small of an area it is, there aren't as many options that are physically in front of you. And so I think educating people about the options that are remote and outside of just their area is a really big part of it. And then also providing that training at a, in a way that's accessible to everybody in the area. That's so important. I mean, so many different points that both of you hit on. And my second question kind of tees up uh, really well behind that, because it's speaking to the fact that in, in some of these smaller communities, you got a lot of people who move around. You know, people want a good quality of life. People want activities. You know, whenever people come into town, they want good schools. They want affordable housing. But in a lot of these places that you're working, whether it be Quitman County or Water Valley, people are starting to move out to try to find better opportunities. Um, so my next question, and I don't know, uh, Corey, if you want to uh, take this up first, um, how do you overcome migration and show employers that the area is still a great place to live and set up shop and encourage people to maybe stay and help to build a community? Yeah, so, you know, people are chasing you know, things to do or the, the draw of bigger cities sometimes. But I think COVID actually changed that a little bit to where people want to be a little more spread out. They want uh, a little more space from, so from other people in certain cases. Um, and rural areas really do that, right? And I think the thing that I would hope people can start to see is that you can still have a community around you. You can still have access to great activities, whether that's outdoor or other things. You may have to drive a little further, but there's less traffic here, right? So it doesn't take as long to get to get places. Um, you know, your cost of living is way lower here, right? So your quality of life increases because if you still have the same job, which you can do a lot of jobs remotely now, even jobs before that weren't considered to be able to do that, you know, you can still make a decent living and the same amount of money you were making, but live somewhere that's much cheaper, right? So your quality of life increases just from that alone. Um, and then because, 
you know, we're trying to build and, and, and create those communities here, right? There are lots of, of things if you look for them, right? They're not always obvious and we have to do a better job of, of advertising them. But there are lots of things that small communities like Water Valley and others, Water Valley and others, do to try to promote that community, right? They have events at coffee shops or uh, they try to start, um, you know, groups uh, for certain age groups or demographics to join. And, you know, they're not always as advertised as well as they might be in other places, but there are things like that that are created to try to get people to see the community around them and get out and and explore. Um, And I think just being in a state where the cost of living is so low, the cost of space and land is so low, like, I can't believe that some companies don't take advantage of the fact that they can get huge spaces here for extremely, extremely cheaper than they can get around big cities, especially when they need those spaces for whatever their company is doing. Um, So I think all of those opportunities, if we can get better at spreading the word about that and helping people see that, um, we could do a better job of of getting companies here and, and getting people to stay here as well. I, I second that because I'm living, like I said, I'm living in LA and it's expensive out here. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I, I remember my rent was about half the value and I could travel a lot more. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, are y'all using some sort of similar message or what, what are y'all saying to kind of combat people to moving out of Quitman County and maybe to kind of get some employers to realize how lucrative they could, you know, be if they would establish nearby? Well, well Corey's right. Uh, I'll give you some uh, just background. Uh, if you can leave Marks and Quitman County, then you've already left. So those people that are there are stuck. Now, it's interesting because you've got a percentage uh, that's moving back to the county to retire, but they're not generating any income, okay? So just focus on that for a second. If, if, you, can, if you can get out, then you've already gotten out, right? So one of the things that we've learned, and I keep trying to tell them, it's not about tax incentives or, or giving a building away or whatever. It's about your quality of life. So when we take a look at Water Valley, which is kind of like a bedroom community of Oxford, and we go 45 minutes west to the Mississippi Delta, it's a whole different world. So we've, got, we've had to make a decision that we can try to recruit businesses, like I said earlier, or we can get people jobs that are meaningful and, and, and generate a decent amount of income, self-confidence, and, and that kind of thing. So that's what we're doing. We're training people to drive forklifts, to do welding, to wire houses, and none of that activity is going to take place in Quitman County. Now, we would like for some of that training to stick and, and develop some kind of a, you know, a incubator for you know, some homegrown businesses. But right now, the goal has been you know, to get people into decent jobs, and the intent is that they'll still stay in Quitman County, but now they'll start to generate some spend in the local community, help enhance the school system, and all of those kind of things. So it's a little bit different than uh, than what's going on in Water Valley. And I think it's uh, you know, it's something that we've learned, and uh, it's just taken a while. I, I think what what you both are doing is really preparing people for the jobs ahead. I mean, right now you, you both you know you both both organizations realize that you know some of the jobs that people are wanting are not right there in Water Valley or Quitman County. And what you're doing is tackling the issues there and making sure that people, you know, whether they're make, uh, working remotely or whether they're learning how to drive a forklift, then maybe they can, you know, get up to Batesville, get up to uh, Memphis or get up to the surrounding area somewhere where they can work. You're really helping to show them, you know, show them the way. So that's really, really important. 
So what we're going to do, we're going to take our first break here and we're going to end our first segment. When we come back, we want to dive off into each organization and really talk about the mission and the message behind each organization. So listeners, stick with us. We'll be right back. We absolutely appreciate your support. You are the foundation and our efforts work to better your communities. Tell your family and friends so we can all work to bring progress. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black Agenda Pod. That's at Black Agenda Pod. Let's get back to the show. All right, listeners, welcome back. Let's get into our segment. Segment, our second segment here. Remember, we're joined today by Mitchell Campbell, co-founder and board president of the Marks Project, and Corey Mites, executive director of Basecamp Coding Academy. So, to kind of phrase the second uh, segment, I wanted to get into each organization, kind of the work behind it. So, I guess to kind of start off with uh, Corey, let's talk a little bit about Basecamp Coding Academy, located in Water Valley, Mississippi. Um, we know it's an immersive experience for high school seniors, um, but well, actually, I know that I guess our listeners don't. But Corey, tell our listeners a little bit about the 12 month program and how this is really changing the game for so many students in terms of their career success upon high school. Yeah, so uh, Basecamp was kind of born out of two ideas. One is that the talent gap in Mississippi in the software development field is huge. There are way more jobs than there are people that are qualified to do the jobs. Um, and so the the co-founders thought, OK, how can we speed up this pipeline and, and create people that are ready for the job market quicker than, you know, the four year degree uh, that typically happens and make obviously that pathway more accessible for students. And then the second part of it was, you know, there are lots of really capable students in the North Mississippi area in particular, which is where we're located, um, that don't want to go to college or can't go to college for financial or grade reasons. And, you know, but they're fully capable of doing something besides an hourly job um, that's not going to make them enough to really support a family. So how could we tackle both of those problems at the same time? And that's kind of how Basecamp was born. So the idea behind Basecamp is that we take students who have just graduated from high school and we put them through a 12-month program where we train them to be software developers. They get to learn um, several different programming languages from Python to full-stack web development, um, Java, Spring, uh, and then they use Django as their backend for their full stack development. And then obviously HTML, CSS and JavaScript, um, all to kind of immerse them very quickly into the software development world and teach them how to be programmers. Um, in addition, we're teaching them a lot of soft skills. So how to just be a human in the workplace, um, how to, you know, write resumes and do interviews and communicate professionally and deal with conflict and present technically um, and do all those kinds of things in addition to the technical work that they're learning. Um, they have mentors. We bring in guest speakers. Um, we work with our sponsors who are great about also hiring our students to come, kind of identify what they want their career paths to look like and do a lot of career coaching. Um, and it's 100% free to the student. So they don't pay any tuition. They get They are provided with a laptop and textbooks and anything else they need for their work. Um, they get gas cards for their commute. And they get fed a free lunch every day. So all of that is done to make it as accessible as possible. Um, the students are selected based on a nomination application and interview process. We don't look at test scores or grades or GPA or anything like that. It's solely based on our interview process and the recommendation of an adult that knows them really well. 
Um, and then they are given a spot, a scholarship slot based on that process. Uh, and it's it's been great. Uh, we don't guarantee job placement, but every year so far, 90 to 95% of our graduates graduate with a job offer. Um, and we already have some students this year that are going to finish up in August that are already, already getting offers. So we're super excited about what we're doing and we're growing every year in terms of the size of our starting class and the size of our graduating class. Um, and we look forward to continuing to spread the word and, and help uh, students they're just graduating from high school, find that career and get into the software development world, you know, a year after they're out of high school. That's important. I mean, you, like I said, I, we've done so many interviews with HBCU presidents at colleges and how they're really working to make sure that when students graduate from college, they're able to get a job right out of college. They don't have to worry about, you know, getting on Indeed. They're able to really be fitted up and ready. And it's so important because a lot of students aren't going to go to college that y'all are really tackling them right out of high school to say, hey, let's get you into something that's going to make you some money. You can live here or even work, you know, with a company based here in California. So that's really important. Um, Mitch, to tee it off to you, you talked a little bit about some of the things, whether it be forklifting or welding, but give our listeners a good overview of the work that the Marks Project is doing and where y'all really want to take Quitman County. Well, we uh, we started this thing over five years ago from scratch. And uh, at the time, uh, the school system in Quitman County was uh, rated F. Uh, the, uh, uh, the hospital uh, in Quitman County had just closed down. Uh, the grocery store in Quitman County had just uh, closed its doors. Uh, there was not a playground uh, for kids to access in the county or a, a football practice field for kids to access. So uh, that's what we took on. And uh, we started with uh, uh, with the school system and with some resources uh, from the University of Mississippi and uh, other entities where we were able to help uh, help the school system get in position now to really have an overall C rating uh, from an F. Uh, we uh, we put together funding for the only uh, playground uh, in the community, and uh, that's been a real success. We've got a, a physical uh, fitness walking trail that we've established. Uh, we put together. Uh, uh, a football practice field uh, that's first class with a goalpost and an awesome field uh, for these kids to play on because they got nothing else to do, right? So you find that there's just a handful of people that will reach out and catch these kids and ensure them the opportunity where they can do something positive. So we moved from that to uh, the next logical extension was the job training. So we recruited what I refer to as the church ladies, and, and Lord knows, uh, Equipment County is well church. We've probably got 67 churches for a, a, a county that's 7,500 in population and shrinking. And they came together for us. And we had probably 200 show up people that wanted jobs. And then we gave them sign-up sheets for different skills, whether it was screen printing or uh, CNA work or welding or whatever. And that's how we started. And we had great partners with the Community Foundation of uh, North Mississippi uh, the uh, Northwest Community College, Coahoma Community College, and the University of Mississippi. And that kind of guided our, our, our uh, offering with respect to the training, which we provided in marks at a facility that the county gave to us. Uh, that's 24,000 square feet. Uh, we got a grant from uh, uh, Delta Regional Authority to improve the facility for a quarter of a million dollars. So that's what houses our training. And right now it's it's basic screen uh, uh, printing, uh, uh, electrical wiring, welding, forklift training, uh, some, some computer training, GED training, 
that kind of thing. So I think Corey and I both have been blessed with uh, having an awesome facility to utilize. So that's that's a key thing. And this, you know, uh, for these these folks to show up, and for now we can tell the story that yeah, these folks want a job, they want to work, they want to get training. And the best thing is they can get it done in Marks, Mississippi, or Water Valley, Mississippi, and then that sets them up to to transition elsewhere. So uh, no cost to the students. And um, we haven't worked out the incentives yet as far as, you know, getting them to come. That had, really hadn't been an issue. So now the thing that's challenging, now I'll, I'll be honest with you, is we went through this thing with the forklift drivers and the community college, and we've trained a couple hundred, but they don't have any recruiting services. They don't have a, a job bank. You know, their job is just to train them. So nobody's helping them write a resume. Nobody's helping them with the soft skills of interviewing. Uh, or the transportation, and all those other things. So we've kind of stepped in to fill that role, which to me doesn't make any sense. But you know, that's when we saw that deficit. You know, we we stepped in, and, and that's part of what we try to do is just we want to make sure these folks get jobs after they're drained. And that's important. I mean, what y'all are doing. I mean, like I said, it it, it can't be said you know enough that what y'all are doing is so important because, like I said, coming out of the pandemic, so many people lost jobs. Some people didn't have jobs. Uh, a lot of jobs aren't coming back. So it's it's really, really neat that y'all are trying to really do something to kind of help with that. And I, and I guess what we can kind of do here, uh, and I guess, Mitch, to kind of let you, you know, wrap up this part of it, and then I'll go to Corey. Uh, for those who are listening to this conversation, you know, regular community members, you know, what can they do to kind of help your organization? Uh, they can commit their intellectual capital. Uh, you know, the fundraising is fundraising, and, and but I think there are so many people that, that have have access to information and knowledge and skills just to, to uh, and Corey mentioned this, to, to volunteer as a mentor, because in Quitman County, they lack exposure. You know, so they, they, they were born there and raised there and lived there. They don't really know the, the outside world, uh, so to speak. So just being able to interact, and that's some of the things that we've done with the university has been awesome is getting these kids from Marks and Quitman County over to the University of Mississippi. And I think I mentioned this to you before, Adrian, that one of the first visits we made on campus tutoring, I said, ask the number of kids in this in this class, how many have been on an elevator? And we had 50. Not a single person that came from Quitman County had ever been on an elevator. So just to understand, you know, we're 45 minutes away, but it's a totally different world. So to try to engage folks to come in and help out you know, with their knowledge, their skill set, their passion. That, to me, is really important. I think we do a marginal job of that. We could do a lot better job of it. Good, good. And, Corey, to let you uh, round off our second segment here, for those who are listening, what can they do to help your organization? Uh, yeah, I think um, mentoring is great. Uh, the biggest thing for us is um, – exposure and and just spreading the word so we find that every year it surprises me um how how many people we come across that are like oh i've never heard about software development i didn't know that was a job um or i don't i didn't know anything about base camp um you guys have existed for five years wow and and we've gotten students from their schools you know we work really closely with a lot of the counselors and teachers and so i think just spreading the word about any organization like mine or like mitch's um, helps a lot in just people knowing that it's an opportunity and it's available to them. Um, that would be the biggest thing for me. So like Basecamp has a ton of social media pages. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. 
so if you have any of those platforms, you know, follow us, share our posts, um, you know, go to our websites, you know, send it around, um, come tour, right? I love having people come see our facility and hear what we're about because we've also been told a lot of times, like, you know, I hear about it, but I don't believe that it's real, right? Because there's, there, you know, you're offering all these things for free and it just sounds too good to be true. But when they come and they talk to our students and they see that we're real and we exist and we're actually doing the thing we're saying we're doing, it makes a big difference in their, their belief that it's not only possible for them, but it's, that's, it's something that's actually exists that they can spread the word about. So for me, that's what we're always looking for is help us spread the word, help, help us get it out there that this is an option for people in our state. Nice. I like that. I like that. Now, listeners, what we're going to do is take another break here. When we come back, we want to look a little bit into the future and get Corey and Mitch's take on how do we get there? Like we're, we're working on getting some things better in Mississippi, but I feel like there's some extra levers that we might need to uh, switch to get there. So when we come back, we're going to get their take on what we do to really get Mississippi better. So stick with us. We'll be right back. to contribute to our scholarship fund? Would you like to help us partner with nonprofits? Would you like to submit a topic request or maybe even appear on our show? If so, go to patron.podbean.com forward slash black agenda pod. Thank you for your donation and belief in our mission. Let's get back to the show. All right, listeners, welcome back. Let's get into our third segment here. Remember, we're joined today by Mitch Kim, co-founder and board president of the Marks Project, and Corey Mites, executive director of Base Camp Coding Academy. So as I was saying before the break, uh, listeners, our third segment is really talking about how do we get there. And my question to uh, to each of you and uh, Mitch or Corey, I'm not sure who would like to go first, but uh, since I've lived here in California, I've really realized that things don't have to be status quo. Um, you can you know have a you know a robust you know workforce. You can have you know adequate housing. You can have high paying jobs, but it takes vision. It takes leadership to get those things together. If, if, if you could speak directly to the legislator and your local leaders, what would you say to them to maybe build a better vision and give them some direction to get Mississippians working? I guess I don't. I'll let you go, Corey. It's probably more positive on your end. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't know about that. Um, so I, I think the big thing for us is it's again, it's about exposure and, and belief, right? I think our our state has traditionally focused on, you know, things that already exist in our state and they try to, to build up from there. Um, I, I probably am not the best person to answer this question, but from my perspective, there's a lot that's being done right now that's that's showing good progress. Right. There's um, the CS4MS initiative that just finally got some legislation passed to push computer science in K through 12 education, which is amazing. Right. That's going to help us with building from from, you know, day one of a kid's education, that this is an option for them. Um, you know, there are lots of things that I think our legislation could do, again, to to push for and find ways to bring the industry into our state. But then just also being cognizant of the fact that you don't have to have the industry in our state for the people of our state to take advantage of this job market. 
Um, you know, you want to attract them to stay here and to give them lots of availability and options to do the job and stay in our state. I think one thing that has been happening in my area, at least, and I don't think it's across the state yet, but it needs to be, um, is the fact that utility companies are now putting Internet on their bill. Right. It's becoming more of a utility rather than an extra expense. And it's making it more accessible for people in rural areas that Internet was not possible before. And it's making it more affordable. So pushing something like that across the entire state where everyone has access to Internet is a really great start for just jobs in general, for them to be able to find them um, and, and actually do them from their home and stay in Mississippi and stay in the parts of the state that have the most space and most expansion opportunity, which is the rural areas. Um, if they want to stay there and, and be effective there and actually be able to make a living for themselves there, that's the kind of those are the kinds of things that need to happen to make that continue to be possible. So I think there are some good things happening um, in terms of what our state's trying to do right now, but there are always ways that that could be that, that could be improved upon. You know, that could be more funding into this particular job market. Um, I know there's a lot of workforce development things that are going on, but this is an area of a workforce that has a huge need and a huge gap that we could be taking advantage of more so than we are. Um, and so that that's from my perspective is what in the computer science software development field, we, we need some more support in. I think those are great points. I think that the awareness uh, getting, I think one of the things, it seems like we really need to really address, you know, the funding, making sure that everything that y'all are doing is properly funded. You can have more uh, students that can go into the program, have all those resources you need. Uh, I think even, you know, from Mitch's perspective, and he can speak to this, but I, you know, some of the things that maybe we could even work on is developing better transportation uh, networks so that people can get to those jobs that y'all are training them for. But Mitch, I'll let you kind of pick up there. And, and what would you say to the legislature and your local leaders to give them a better vision and direction to get your people working? Uh, we've tried. Uh, we, we've had a, a, any number of sessions with them. And I'll be honest with you, it's almost like they embrace the status quo. Uh, and that's tragic. So uh, we have not received any real support out of Jackson. Uh, I'll give you an example. We had uh, we had somebody here from uh, Mississippi Development Authority a few months ago, and I'm saying we've got a 24,000 square foot building here. Uh, we've got people clamoring for forklift drivers and welders and all this other stuff. It's not in our community, but how can we leverage off this facility and the population that's approximate to the facility that want to work? Okay, so we're kicking around some ideas. I said, well, I'll give you an example. Milwaukee Tool, right? They're hiring people like crazy in Greenwood and up up in Olive Branch. I said, why can't we work a deal with Milwaukee Tool where this is maybe the first phase? They recruit, right? And and they go through a training program in Marks and quit accounting in our facility. So that ensures that that worker that eventually hits the floor is going to be better trained, have a more likelihood of uh, of, uh, of sticking with retention and all that. Hey, that's a great idea, Mitch. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? Milwaukee Tool is expanding and adding 13,000 people to a facility in Grenada, Mississippi, which is 50 miles away. I haven't heard a word from these people. So, you know, I just and I don't want to, you know, vent too much, but man, it's frustrating. When we, we said, okay, we've got the potential workforce. We've got the facility that we can train them in. We know that this company has the demand. Let's, let's work something out where we can accommodate that in our facility. Didn't happen, brother. Or it hasn't happened yet. And honestly, so Mitch, that's a, is, go, no, go ahead. Keep going. 
it's a lack of vision and the way things could be. Okay. And I know two of Corey's founders, right. And they had the vision and we can't have the vision, but it's somebody that really takes the ball and runs with it. And we've told the politicians all along, man, you take credit for this. You know, we don't care. We just want to see something happen. So if you look at the geography, you know, we're 25 miles from the interstate at Batesville. We're on a, a major railroad, right? You know, we're not that far from the river. And all these things that are going on with fulfillment centers and logistics, this and the other, if we could find a corporate sponsor with a conscience, okay, that would say, you know, we're going to bring something into this community that can help change lives, that's what we're looking for. I haven't found them yet. I keep looking. But I, the, the, the reality of it is we've got the people that want to work. And that's a misconception. They think if you're in the Delta, well, they've just given up chance, uh, you know, they're living on welfare. No, that's not the case. You know, these yeah. are the folks that want to work. Yeah, Mitchell, I think your, your so, point of a corporate sponsor is a really good point because we've been really lucky in that we have great corporate sponsors that bought into this vision. And I think that is definitely the route a lot of people are going because of the frustration you're talking about, right? Where the legislative legislators and politicians aren't really concerned with the actual needs in the community the way that they should be. And so you have to turn to a corporate sponsor instead because you're actually more likely to convince them to take a chance and to make that investment uh, before you're able to convince the politicians, which is a really sad reality. But I think is definitely the reality that we have right now. So the money is going to northeast Mississippi or it's going to the Gulf Coast. Okay, for Water Valley, it's a special project. And uh, it's remarkable what they pull off. But Mississippi Delta, I mean, it's an afterthought, if there even is a thought at all. Now, we'll give you a, an example. I don't know if you're familiar with Viking Range. Maybe you are, Corey. But yep. you know, this is a, a business that started up in Greenwood. I banked them. Okay. And I know it can be done. But that took the vision of Fred Carl and nothing to do with politicians. Yep. Now, Fred did it on his own and is building a world-class product in LaFleur County. So. That's, you know, those things can be done, but, you know, the leadership is not going to be open to it because, you know, they, they just focused on, you know, that, that the Mississippi Delta is just, you know, too far gone. I believe that's kind of the consensus. And so when we have a graduating class from the high school now, Equipment County High School, Madison Palmer High School, the, the graduation rate is 94%, the highest in the Delta. You know, that's pretty strong. And we ought to be able to leverage off that in in some meaningful way. So, no, you're absolutely right. No, you're absolutely right. I'm frustrated about it too. That's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have conversations like this to engage with people who are on the ground working because you can only do so much. I mean, there's, I mean, you're, you're, you're offering all of your, your programs and your services at no charge to the people who take them on. That costs a lot of money to where you need, you know, corporate sponsorships, you need local leadership and you need state leaders who are going to be a partner with you working to rebuild and transform our state. So I'm glad that y'all are both working there, frustrated that it's not as successful on the ground with the local leadership, but hopeful that we can continue to work together, network and do things to get more corporate sponsorships. So what we're going to do, we're going to end our our third segment here. And when we come back, we just want to get last thoughts. We want to end our episode uh, each with a final message to kind of paint a picture for where we want to take this episode and leave our listeners with a great message. So 
listeners, we're going to take our last break here with our guests. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Black Agenda podcast. We appreciate your support and we ask that you like, share and follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, IG and Twitter at Black Agenda Pod. That's at Black Agenda Pod. Let's get back to the show. All right, listeners, welcome back. Let's get into it here, our final message segment. Remember, we have been joined today by Mitchell Campbell, co-founder and board president of the Marks Project, and Corey Mites, executive director of Basecamp Coding Academy. So, Mitch, we'll go ahead and do you first here to set the stage for your final message. We always say our final message is a great opportunity for our guests to send our episode off in a great big old bow for our listeners. So to set it up for you, so many adults are out there struggling to make ends meet whether that's because they don't have financial literacy training. And as we've talked about, no solid job opportunities. A lot of families are kind of behind the eight ball. But those organizations like the Marks Project and others that are investing resources in the community give people another chance. So Mitch, for your final message, use the record of the Marks Project to show why a career empowerment center should be in every community. Uh, when you see the... Uh, uh folks come for the sign up and they want a job and you hear them having conversations about this after the fact and you hear where these these folks are placed and they they give you the the testimonies of of what a difference it's made in their lives i mean it's the most powerful thing imaginable okay so that's you know we try to focus on that but by the same time we have a hundred kids born in quitman county every year okay a hundred and I worry about that hundred. Okay. So what's the future going to be like when they're two and three and four and they're not getting into, into pre-K, right? But we need to make that available. So it's a continuum of care. And then we've got seniors who don't have access to health care. And now we do have a grocery store, but all of this, it, it's part of the, uh, it, it's part of the bigger issue. So yeah, it, it, it's workforce development, but it's also what can we do for these babies and what can we do for our seniors to make sure and this is a tight community. Like I said, we've got maybe 7,500 and it's a pretty safe place. And I think it's a hell of a story that we can just get that out there and say, this is kind of what we're trying to do to manage this, this continuum from cradle to grave uh, in, in this rural County that's just dying on the vine. So I hope that makes some sense. Like I said, we, we uh, are fighting the good fight. You know, I like it, Mitch, and y'all are fighting a great fight, this worthy fight, and I hope that we can get more uh, centers like the Marks Project throughout, you know, all communities in rural Mississippi and rural areas, uh, you know, around our country. And Corey, to kind of set the stage for your final message, you know, a lot of high school seniors are getting ready to graduate, and they don't really have a pathway. They, they think that they're supposed to go to college or maybe military, but they're not sure. And a lot of school districts aren't really preparing them for the opportunities that are going to come before them in the years down the road. We really need to adapt our schools to kind of meet the current job market and give students a better shot at high-paying jobs. So, Corey, for your final message, make a case as to why Basecamp Coding Academy and other programs like, uh, like you know, software uh, development should be a part of K-12 through education to better prepare our students for the future. 
Well, uh, you know, computers are everywhere, right? And we are seeing that more and more in every job. So I, I say this to students all the time, any field you can think of that you might be interested in, you can do a software development programming job in that field. They're, they're vast and expansive. And if there's something you have a passion for, you can apply programming to it. Uh, the coolest thing to me about a program like Basecamp is that it doesn't limit your options. If you're not sure if you want to go to college, if you're not sure what you really want to do, right? Basecamp and learning how to program is just can be just a stepping stone on the rest of your career path. It's free. You get college credit for coming. You, you know, it doesn't cost you anything except for that year, right? And you're not really losing time. If you went straight to college, you'd still come out with the same amount of credit hours, but you have them in a practical experience way. Whereas if you decide that you don't want to keep going to college, you can have a job right then as soon as you finish that year of training. So it gets you real practical experience with something, even if you don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Come through the process. Come meet with us. Ask us questions. We want to educate you about this career field and these career options. Um, and, you know, this field in general is going to keep you in a stable job, help you support a family if that's what you want to do one day, or just support yourself. If you want to travel the world, right, this is the kind of job that gives you the money that you need to, to be able to do that in a comfortable work environment where even a pandemic can't make you lose your job. Um, so that's what I would say is, you know, this is always an option and it doesn't matter what you think you might do in the end. This can always be a step on your path because it doesn't hinder you from doing any of the other things you might want to do. Uh, so that's what I would say is always keep it as an option and, you know, push it, push it out to your students. College degrees aren't everything, especially in this field. You do not have to have a degree to go and get a really good job. So, you know, push this as an option. It's a little unorthodox and unusual, but it is a great pathway. And we've seen so many students who wouldn't have gone to college, wouldn't have had more than an hourly wage job otherwise that are super successful now and have been able to push them and pull themselves out of their situations because they made this one choice to come to base camp and it's changed their lives. I like that, Corey. And that, that whole college deal, we've just put out an episode uh, about is college worth it? We had uh, Anthony O'Neill, which is one of Dave Ramsey's top experts. And he talked a lot about, you know, how college for the majority of people is just not worth it. I mean, unless you're going to be a doctor or a teacher or a lawyer where you have to have the college degree and go on to get more, there are a plethora of different opportunities for you nowadays to get out of high school, get certifications, get trained up and make a lot of money that people who have gone to college, they don't even have opportunities. So really, really awesome stuff that both you, Corey and Mitch are doing in Mississippi. And like I said, I'm hoping listeners that you have organizations within your area that are doing some amazing things. Um, we'd love to hear about them so that we can highlight them. But this is what it's all about, showing people that there are great people doing great things. They just need a little extra support, a little extra awareness, and they can continue to transform communities and improve the quality of life. So, uh, Corey, Mitch, I really, really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you again uh, for the work you're doing. Like I said, I can't um, say it enough, but thank you again and continue to con continue to just keep doing what you're doing. I can't help, you know, can't wait to continue to help you even more. Thanks so much, Adrian. It's great to talk with you both. Thank you. All right, listeners, we're going to take our last break. When I return, I'm just going to do our ending just to give you some insight into our episodes. So stick with us. We'll be right back.
You have been listening to the Black Agenda podcast hosted by Adrian Guest and Devin Dado. If you enjoy listening to the show, let the host know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by visiting patron.podbean.com forward slash Black Agenda Pod and giving a few dollars. After all, the Black Agenda podcast is supported by listeners like you. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back, listeners. As always, let's go ahead and end our episode with giving you some insight into what's upcoming. So to talk about our next podcast episode, this is actually going to be the end of season two. So Devin and I have been really, really excited about, you know, bringing you the news, really excited about talking to experts and engaging leaders. But we're going to be ending our season two and taking a break to kind of regear for season three that's going to be coming out Juneteenth, 2021. So be on the lookout for that. But season two is going to end with criminal justice reform. Obviously, that's been a hot topic this year. Uh, we really want to dive off into that. So we're going to have another great expert on the show to talk to us about that. So join us next Tuesday, May 18th, as we end season two. Also, don't forget, May 15th at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, we're going to be live and on the Podbean app for weekly roundup number 17. This is going to be our last weekly roundup for season two, so you don't want to miss it. We're going to be bringing you a lot of great news, doing a lot of great things to take you into season three, weekly roundup style. Be sure to download the Podbean app and make sure you share it with your family and friends. As always, this venture is not free, whether it be Zoom, Podbean, Alitude, all of these things cost money. So we really need you to go to our website, blackagendapod.com, click on that donate tab and start off by giving a dollar a month. Become one of our regular patrons. There's a lot of great gifts in there that you can do more and we'll even give you more. But the reasons you give is because we're talking about real issues within our communities. We're talking about real things that's going to benefit people. And we're wanting to do things like start an organization, champion certain issues, lobby leaders, talk with experts. All of these cost money because America is a capitalist society and you can't do things on good intentions and goodwill. So we need your support. Remember, we've been doing our charity of the month, and for the month of May, we've been highlighting Campaign Zero. Campaign Zero encourages policymakers to focus on solutions with the strongest evidence of effectiveness at reducing police violence. One of their slogans, we can live in a world where the police don't kill people by limiting police interventions, improving community interactions, and ensuring accountability. Really, really awesome slogan, really great thing to talk about right now. Don't forget the new stuff that we've introduced into our podcast, our person of the week, where we're trying to recognize a local community member who's doing great things, and our community calendar, where we're trying to let people know of events going around in our communities so that they can maybe participate. All you need to do is go to our social media accounts, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, send us a direct message and let us know what's going on in your area or who's doing something important in your area. Or you can shoot us an email, info at blackagendapod.com. Lastly, don't forget, like, follow, share every anything you see that comes from the Black Agenda podcast. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black Agenda Pod. You can even go to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's just the Black Agenda Pod. Make sure you follow, subscribe, like it. Everything you see, make sure you do that. We're trying to really, really take this to another level. Thanks to Mitch and Corey. I really appreciate you all for joining me on the show today. And thank you to my listeners who 
decided to stick in and listen to an awesome episode from me, your host, Adrian Guest. Can't wait to deliver another one-on-one to you. Can't wait to join back up with Devin to do more episodes, more weekly roundups. So until then, I'll catch you next time. Thank you.